calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Realm presents Gods and Lies, Season 2, Episode 7. Albada led everyone into a small, quiet tea room tucked several corridors away from the loud renovations in the ballroom and her mother's boisterous shrine. The room was papered in a pastel cherry blossom pattern, and the air smelled of fresh lemon and incense. A plaster statue of herself, barely two feet high, brooded in a corner. I realized with a start that this was likely Elbada's shrine. Out of all the places in Celebina's temple complex, this was the one room that looked truly hers. I guess she wanted a home court advantage for what was bound to be an uncomfortable conversation. At Elbada's direction, Father Liam swooped around us like a silent, judgmental owl and arranged the tea service, his motions smooth and practiced, the perfect host. Elbada herself placed cups in front of me, Andy, and Celebina. It smelled herby and medicinal. I hesitated. There's a saying about refusing a god's gifts, Elbada said a hint of exasperation in her voice. I'm not exactly going to poison you in front of my mother, now am I? Nothing wrong with a little poison so long as you choose it yourself, Celebina chirped. She reached down her cleavage and retrieved a flask. She poured a generous slosh of apple green liquor into her tea without even tasting it first, then tossed the mixture back like a tequila shot. Father Liam sipped his demurely, his eyes never leaving his goddess's face. I took a sip of mine, sighing almost involuntarily as the tension headache gathering at the base of my neck abruptly eased. Well, Elbada was the expert on this. So what is this all about? Salabina demanded. Elbada glanced at me and Andy, and the headache that had so meekly slipped away throbbed back in full force. 
before dying down to nothing again. She sighed. Ask what you will. Did you create forget-me-lots from the waters of Oblem? I asked. Father Liam was out of his chair in an instant. You dare to insinuate? Yes. Father Liam stopped short. Celebina's mouth actually fell open. I doubt it was easy to surprise her, but this certainly had. Elbada. I... I have never felt so proud. How did this happen? We recently found out that before he was poisoned, Argamnos had been stealing water from the spring of Oblem, I said. He used his seal of passage to access the spring, but he presented a sacred feather from one of your own peacocks to convince the Guardian he was on official business. But we don't think you gave him that feather, Andy said. After all, what do you need to make a wonder drug for? Your worshippers are happy to bring their own drugs and party favors to your gatherings. You're already beloved, respected. Elbada, on the other hand... You overstep yourself, Father Liam snapped. She may not have the most worshippers or the largest priesthood or a temple of her own, but she- Oh, shut up, Liam. Father Liam's mouth shut with a snap at Elbada's rebuke. Apologies, my lady. I only meant if you wish to honor me, attend to your duties. Outside. Ducking his head, the priest fled the room, muttering. Celebina, meanwhile, looked over the moon. My daughter, the genius behind the Pantheon's most mysterious party drug. Why, I could just Burst with maternal delight. Why ever did you hide such a thing? We should celebrate. My high priestess has a particular petting zoo on speed dial. Three mothers above us, do you even hear yourself? Elbada snapped. Why not just offer me up to the three mothers with a golden apple in my mouth? You- That's not going to happen, Celebina said, speaking over her. She waved an airy hand at Andy and me. None of what they've said is proof. It's a lovely theory, very thrilling, but nothing concrete. I shrugged. Why not admit it? You're right. We've got nothing. Banrex has nothing, although he came close. He did catch Argamnos with the water, even convinced him to turn in his accomplices in return for immunity. But Argamnos was poisoned before he could. Good. Celebina's eyes darkened, and her gold-painted nails lengthened into claws. I leaned back involuntarily. It was easy to forget that Celebina's aspect included wildness and chaos as much as joy and celebration. The nerve of that smug, self-serving little half-breed. Just stop it, mother! Stop it! Stop it! Elbada screamed, loudly enough to cause the windows to rattle. He's as much a god as you or I. The three mothers decreed it. This surprising burst of emotion from the level-headed goddess of regret brought the room to a standstill. In the quiet, Andy said, You were his plus one, weren't you? What are you talking about? Banrux told us that Argamnos only agreed to turn in the Forget-Me-Lots crew in return for immunity for him and one other person. You were that other person. 
Oh, Elbada, Celebina said in tones of deep disapproval. His mother's a sylph. He loved me, and unlike you, he didn't treat me like a glorified assistant, Elbada retorted. We were equal partners. He handled the water, I handled the chemistry. With the popularity and capital from forget-me-lots, we could have set up my own temple, so I could properly build my following instead of forever wallowing in your shadow. Did you know Argamnos was making a deal? I asked. He told me, Elbada said, at the Golden Gala. I was so angry with him for being so careless, for getting caught, for ruining our grand plans. I said things to him before he left. Awful things. Her head bowed her face as carefully blank as marble. I would have acted differently if I'd known what would happen next. Then help us, I said. Help us find out who poisoned him. Ban Banrux is reasonable, Andy added. He'd likely offer you the same deal he offered Argamnos. You mean if I turn in my accomplices? Diaphrates I could part with, but I would also lose my entire priesthood. Elbada huffed out a sardonic laugh. All five of them. Something sparked at the back of my mind. Father Liam included? Wait, Diaphrates was involved? Said Andy. Elbada nodded. No one knows how to spread gossip faster than her while keeping her own nose clean. She helped us get the word out about forget-me-lots when we were just starting out. An idea was starting to form in my mind, a picture of what happened that night. Elbada, did anyone else know about Argamnos's deal? Did the two of you discuss this in front of anyone? It was the Golden Gala. There were precious few areas in the temple that weren't packed with guests but we made our wishes for privacy known before we discussed it. I couldn't exactly blame a god for the arrogance they were born with. If I was a priest who overheard that I was going to be sold up the river, that would make for a pretty strong motive. Or a sylph realizing her own son was selling her out, Andy added. How thrilling! Celebina said. This is almost as fun as one of my murder mystery parties. Gracious Mistress of Regret, may I use this table? I asked. At Elbada's nod, I cleared off the tea things and pulled my notebook out of my bag. With a few quick strokes of my pencil, I drew a rough sketch of the temple grounds. Let's figure out our timeline for what happened at the Golden Gala. Were all five of your priests on hand that night? Only Father Liam and Brother Niles. The other three knew they'd be on call for cleanup the next morning, so they were asleep in the dorms on the other side of the temple. I scratched in three X's where Elbada pointed. So, here's what we know so far. Argamnos was poisoned when someone switched out his stash of lightning oil with Oblem during the gala. 
We know the suspect disposed of the lightning oil by pouring it out in the peace garden around 12.30 because that's when we got our botanical fireworks. That's what happened? Oh, Elbada, do remind me to have someone order lightning oil when we get a spare moment. The goddess of revels trailed off beneath Elbada's vicious glare. Right, right, not the time. That rolls Andy out, because he and Argamnos were in the middle of a drag-out fight in the northeastern corner of the ballroom at that time. I marked an uppercase A and a lowercase A in that area. And, of course, it rules you out, Elbada, since you were there to break it up. I added an E. I was entertaining my high priestess and a chosen few in the pleasure room during that entire debacle, Celebina said. I'm sure the participants will all attest to it. Half the temple could attest to that, Elbada said. We really should invest in soundproofing. I marked a C in the vicinity of the so-called pleasure room. Niles was there to help drag Andy and Argamnos off each other. Does that count? Elbada asked. Yep. There went an N. What about Liam? Elbada hesitated. He was definitely there at the start of the argument. I kept my pencil poised above the map. Only at the start? Didn't that man complain about getting hit with a pine cone during the fireworks? Celebina asked. Mother! That's true. I remember that, I said, marking an L near the Peace Garden on my makeshift map. He couldn't have done it, Andy said. You already asked him if he poisoned Argamnos back when we first infiltrated the temple. The oak ruled him out. Not necessarily. My blessed oak only detects outright lies, I reminded him. If Liam's our guy, he still technically told the truth. Because our suspect didn't poison Argamnos. They just gave Argamnos the poison and let Argamnos do it to himself. That's cutting it rather fine, Elbada said. The gods may have invented lies, but we mortals turned them into an art form. Even blessed relics can't detect all of them. I turned back to the task at hand. So, after the botanical fireworks and after the fight with Andy, we know Argamnos stuck around for about half an hour. Plenty of time for our suspect to replace his oil bottle without Argamnos noticing. At around 1 a.m., Argamnos went down to the docks, preparing to leave, and unwittingly poured raw oblem over himself. It erased every memory he had. A beat of silence reigned around the little table. So what are we thinking? I asked. Where was Diaphrates during all this? Elbada asked. Noting the chorus of shaken heads and shrugs, I put a D with a question mark in the center of the map. She has just as much of a motive as my Liam. Maybe even a bigger one. Argamnos was her son, after all, and he was going to turn her in to save us. Andy shook his head. Mom not sold. She legitimately loves her son, and she lost everything when Argamnos was erased. Everything but her life, Elbada pointed out. She wasn't well-liked by the Pantheon, but her relationship with Argamnos's father, Ithides, gave her at least some status. 
She'd lose that protection if she was implicated in an oblum stealing scheme. She'd be unmade. To my surprise, Celebina spoke up. For all I dislike the sad little man, Father Liam truly reveres my daughter. He might be willing to sacrifice himself if it meant his goddess would go free. So it's a tie between two suspects, I said. Father Liam and Diaphrides. And no hard evidence on either. We've got one sunrise left, Andy said. We're not likely to find any evidence before then. Not unless one of them confesses. But I have an idea. Celebina, you're throwing a party tonight, aren't you? Of course I am. The theme is mortal immortals. Mortals dress up as gods and the gods dress up as... Well, you, you can probably guess. If you could make sure Diaphrides is invited, and if Elbada's willing, I might have an idea on how to flush out our poisoner. Her wide mouth split in a devious smile. Intrigue. How delightful. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Any sign of Diaphrides? Iris shouted over the music. Not yet, I shouted back. We stood by one of the mezzanine balconies overlooking the dance floor. It was already half past 2 a.m., and so far, no sign of the sylph. Maybe she'd refused the invitation, or maybe she was already here and had been for hours. That was the problem looking for a being made of wind, who can make herself invisible if she so chose. Here's hoping she chose to adhere to Celebina's dress code for the night. Iris certainly did. The theme was trading places, gods as mortals, mortals as gods. Iris was dressed as Themia. She wore a crown of oak leaves in her hair and twined around her blessed oak, along with a tight pleather bustier that Amelia had couriered over from her own wardrobe. I reminded myself to send a thank you note to Amelia when all this was over, if we were still around. I dressed a little more casually, in a dapper tailored blazer over a Henley, with my hair looped up into a topknot. I was a demigod. What side of the fence was I supposed to dress as? I'd spent my life straddling that fence. Besides, I already knew how good I looked. No point in gilding the lily, right? I glanced up at the skylights. It was too dark to see the Grimmers circling past, but I could sense them. That was the reason Amelia had to send over our party attire. The blood-hungry eagles had descended on the temple not long after Banrux dropped us off to interrogate Elbada. Their numbers and their noise increased by the hour. The party guests thought it was all part of some soon-to-be-revealed stunt, but Iris and I knew better. Our time was almost up. If the sun rose and we didn't have Argamnos's poisoner dead to rights, not even the goddess of revels herself could keep the Grimmers out of her temple. Banrux came up behind us. Diaphrides is here. He looked incredibly uncomfortable in pink board shorts, a white tank top that said, are we having fun yet, 
and novelty-sized sunglasses with neon yellow frames. He had adjusted his form to more humanish dimensions, and he still looked completely out of his element. But you couldn't go to a Celebina party if you didn't follow the theme. You sure? She's dressed as a cheerleader. He angled his head to the dance floor, and I could just make out the cheerleader uniform seemingly floating around by itself. Should we proceed with the plan? Give it about 20 minutes, Iris suggested. We might give the game away if shit happens the moment she arrives. Do we have eyes on Liam? He's making the rounds as usual. Thanks for this, by the way, I said. For helping. Not at all. I'm looking forward to providing the three mothers with a positive outcome on the case. Saving your life and that of your friend is merely a bonus. The ridiculous sunglasses hit a good portion of his face, and the rest looked as implacable as ever. Was that... a joke? I see I require more practice with humor. I shall try it more often. Wait, was that a joke? But Banrux was already walking away from me to set our plan into motion. Exactly 20 minutes later, probably right up to the second, Banrux made a beeline for Elbada, who was supervising the erotic balloon animal station. Elbada, daughter of Celebina, goddess of rue and regret, Banrux boomed. The music cut out with an audible record scratch, and everyone turned to stare. I'm here to bring you to the Pantheonic Council for judgment. Elbada was dressed as, I assumed, an accountant. She wore a silver-gray pantsuit and cream-colored blouse. Her hair was twisted into an unassuming shinyan. On what grounds? You know what you have done. The three mothers see all. Out of the corner of my eye, I spotted a shaven-headed figure pushing through the crowd. Liam spotted. On it. Iris slid down the banister to the dance floor and cut through the crowd to head him off. I'm not the one you're really looking for. Elbada's voice sounded tight and shrill, even for a goddess. Role-playing had never been one of her aspects, but she was trying her best. What if we made a deal? I'll tell you all I know about all of it, about everyone. There it was, the bait. Our gamnos had been poisoned for planning to expose the group. Now Elbada was threatening the same. Even from the height of the balcony, I could see Liam stumble in his tracks, but where was... My ears popped with a sudden change in air pressure. I realized a millisecond too late, and the flat of a dagger pressed itself against the back of my neck. I heard Diaphrides whisper, like the rasp of sand blown across concrete. Hands up, pretty boy. Got it, I said. Below us, Van Rux was hurting Elbada out of the ballroom, a frantic Liam in their wake. Just be cool. What say we take a walk? Diaphrides hissed. You try anything funny, my dagger hand might slip. Keeping my hands up, I backed away from the balcony and allowed her to direct me down a corridor. We passed her crumpled up uniform in the hall. A sylph was all but invisible when she decided to go commando. To passers-by, I just looked like I was taking an especially careful and stiff walk to the nearest bathroom. We didn't go very far. We came up to an unassuming door with a handle carved in the shape of a peacock's head. Open it, 
Diaphrides demanded. Careful to make no sudden movements, I slowly pushed open the door and stepped into the empty room. Diaphrides shut it behind us with an angry gust. Don't bother screaming. No one followed us. I checked. Not well enough. A voice burbled behind us as a gleaming puddle slid out of the shadows, geysering up to solidify into the shape of Leona. The war nymph's hand shot out, and green-tinged water fountained out of it like a fire hose. What kind of... what are you doing? The fluid enveloped the sylph. Within seconds, Diaphrides was a woman-shaped bubble inside a transparent globule of enchanted seawater. She kicked and fought at it like a cat in a sack, but her fists could only batter uselessly against the watery membrane of the trap. I shook a few droplets of water off my blazer. Did I forget to mention I invited my mom's favorite war nymph to the party? My bad. Leona, Diaphrides. Diaphrides, Leona. Charmed, Leona said. Let me out of here. That would not be wise, Leona said. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. Diaphrides thrashed for a few more moments before she collapsed against the walls of the globule, panting. Doesn't matter anyway. Just because I didn't get a chance to cut their meat for them doesn't mean the Grimmers won't eat you come sunrise. My surprise must have shown on my face. Yeah, I know about your little right. I keep my ear to the ground. It's nothing but what you deserve for what you did to my son. I think we're beyond playing the innocent. It's your fault, the sylph shrieked. Do you have any idea how hard our Gamnos had to work his entire life? For almost a thousand years? He's had to fight for every scrap of approval from his godly father, from the Pantheon, while you, the squalling spawn of a short-lived mortal, you had the gall to insult his honor. That brought me up short. Wait, when was this? I was there at the gala when you fought with my son. You dared to put your mortality-tainted hands on him. Even after he rightfully bested you, you laughed, laughed, and said he looked like a god, but fought like a half-breed. I saw the look on my son's face after you called him that, as if he were no better than you. I said that? Diaphrides had witnessed the argument? I don't remember what happened that night. What else did I say? Of course you don't remember. A wicked giggle emerged from the watery trap. <laughs> I made sure of that. A chill snaked its way up my spine. Forget me, Lots. You dosed me that night. You didn't just set me up after the fact. You made sure I couldn't remember enough to defend myself. You framed me. But it still didn't make sense. If Diaphrides had been present to witness our fight, she wasn't the one who poured out Argamnos's lightning oil. You as good as killed him anyhow, Diaphrides said. You drove him to it. You and everyone else who treated him like garbage, like anything less than the god he rightfully was. Someone deserved to pay for what happened to him. I won't have it get out that he did this to himself. Someone needs to pay. The last word came out as the desperate howl of a storm and the globule of water twisted and rippled, as if echoing her agony. Wait, 
I said. You saw what happened to him, didn't you? I asked him what he was doing, Diaphrides whispered, and her airy form curled in on itself. When he caught me following him down to the docks, he said, he said he was sorry. He said he loved me, but that he had to do it. He said he was thinking about his future, and then he poured that oblum all over himself. Her body heaved with sobs, and the globe of water shook in sympathy. Why would he do it? Why? How could I not see how much pain he was in? You thought he was trying to destroy himself? Leona said. Mother unmake me! That explained so much. My heart twinged in reluctant empathy. And you framed me to what? Spare his reputation? Someone deserved to pay, Diaphrides muttered. I knelt down beside the trap and looked into what I hoped were Diaphrides' eyes. Leona, let her out. Trust me on this. If you're sure. Leona waved her arms and the trap dissolved into vapor around us. Beads of condensation sparkled on Diaphrides' shaking form. Hoping I was making the right choice, I said, Argamnos didn't destroy himself. Someone switched out his lightning oil with Oblum without his knowledge. What? He was poisoned, Diaphrides. Just not by me. You're, you're just saying that. Diaphrides' breath hitched. Telling me what I want to hear. I have hours to live. What do I stand to gain by lying to you? Who? Still dripping with seawater, she scrambled to her feet. Who did it? With any luck, I said, we're about to find out. Elbata sat serenely on a single chair in her little tea room, as if it were a throne. The only indication that she was less than perfectly in control of her situation were the Earth Mother-blessed iron manacles on her delicate wrists. A figure slipped in through the door, closing it behind him as carefully as he could. Forgive me, my lady, Father Liam said. I have failed you. Elbada bestowed a benevolent smile upon him. Do not despair. Banrux, son of the Tempest, has offered me a reprieve in return for sacrifices. Father Liam's head popped up. Sacrifices? Someone needs to be punished for despoiling the spring of Oblim, but it need not be me. If I turn over my priesthood and the self for righteous judgment, I shall be spared. Rejoice, my faithful priest. Rejoice? To suffer for your faith is a great honor. When I rebuild my following, your name shall be spoken of with the highest praise. That's... That's all I've ever wanted, the priest choked out. But it's not necessary. Elbada tilted her head. Not necessary? Banrux is steadfast. We can make him forget, Father Liam said, getting to his feet. I know where our remaining stores of Oblom are. He cannot report us to the Pantheon if he cannot remember his own name. You would do that for me? It is no small thing to attack a god. She reached out her hands, 
brushing Liam's cheek tenderly. His eyes closed in ecstasy. I've done it before. The priest's eyes opened, and they burned with fanatical fervor. If Argamnos had truly loved you, he would have sacrificed himself to protect the operation. But no, he wanted you to give up your priesthood, your dreams, your ambitions, all to save his own skin. So I took care of him. You poisoned Argamnos for love of me. Yes, yes. And once Banrux is out of the way, we can truly be together. Elbada's mask slipped, and real anger flitted across her face. It was like seeing cracks spiral out in a frozen lake you realize, too late, isn't as solid beneath you as you first thought. But you are immortal. Haven't I always been there for you? Didn't I bring you more followers? I attracted my own followers. Elbada's eyes went black. I am celestial. You are meat. Why in the three mothers' names would I touch you? Now Father Liam's mask slipped, and the spiteful, thwarted desire behind it twisted his face into something hideous. Fine, then. He reached into his robes, and before Elbada could react, he splashed her with a bottle of violet-tinged liquid. The goddess's face sagged into a perfect O of blank shock. Then, a second later, she blinked and gazed down at her sodden robes with a look of disgust. Please tell me this is enough evidence for you. A floral wallpapered panel in the tea room slid aside, revealing Iris, Banrux, Diaphrides, Leona, and me. We'd made it back just in time to see the show. Liam swung around to stare at his goddess. Elbada raised her hands, and the iron manacles dissolved into smoke. You tricked me? Even I can play a part when the occasion calls for it, Elbada said. I turned our real Oblum stores over to Banrux hours ago. You hit me with water and purple food coloring, which is going to stain, by the way. The light of hope dimmed in Liam's eyes as he realized just how outnumbered and hopeless he was. He didn't seem quite so fanatical anymore, just small and cheated. Argamnos was no great hero. He was willing to sell his own mother out. It was the right call, said Diaphrides, surprising me. I've lived longer than many a sylph. I got to become the mother of a god. Knowing I'd be the grandmother of a god would be worth it. Elbada made a small surprised sound, and I could hear the rasp of the sylph's chuckle. Hmm. I told you, I pay attention. I keep my ear to the ground. I glanced over at the windows. They rattled and shook, and a strange sound vibrated through the glass. But it wasn't the howling of Themia's hounds. Instead, the air buzzed with the metallic whine of thousands of knife-sharp wings slicing the air. The Grimmers, circling the temple, they were hungry. They'd been denied for too long. Father Liam, in a last shaky spurt of defiance, lifted his chin. Do what you will to me, then. Summon Themia's hounds. But I will always be a servant of regret. Regardless of which of the seven hells I wind up in, I will treasure that for eternity. There will be no eternity for you, you little fool, Elbada said. What? Outside, the Grimmers started to shriek, one after the other. They'd caught the scent of guilt, the scent of their prey. 
Themia has no jurisdiction over this case, Iris said. She had to shout to be heard over the Grimmers. She sounded almost sorry. You belong to the old justice now. No! All color fled from Father Liam's face as the horrifying realization sank in. He turned to run. The windows burst inward in a shower of glass, and bladed feathers and an enormous steel-gray shape knocked me to the ground. The impact forced the breath from my lungs as the Grimmer's great bronze beak snapped shut not an inch away from my nose. It regarded me with one great blood-red eye before its head jerked up and its gaze settled on Father Liam. Then it screamed. I threw my arms over my face as the rest of its flock stormed into the small room. Iris threw herself to the ground. Leona dissolved into a puddle. And even the goddess of regret crammed herself back against the wall to avoid the shrieking, clawing grimmers. Father Liam made it all the way to the door before they caught him. They swarmed, and I caught one last glimpse of his open, screaming mouth before he vanished beneath a wave of bladed feathers and bronze beaks. When they'd finished, the Grimmer's leader gave a short, low cry and led its flock back out through the shattered windows. Not so much as a drop of blood remained. My hand clenched involuntarily with a sudden cramp, pain shooting up my elbow. When I looked at it again, the mark of the right was gone. Not even a scar. One month later. You sure you want to do this? Iris asked as we stood outside our Gamnosis suite in the Elder Bower. I nodded. We knocked on the door and it swung open to reveal Diaphrides. She was powdered from head to foot in bronze glitter and a Sky Mother-blessed silver collar was fitted around her neck. Banrux had argued for clemency for her part in the Oblum scheme and remarkably, the three mothers had agreed. The downside was that she was essentially on house arrest with Argamnos in the Elder Bower for the next 500 years. Her powder-dusted lips pursed. We'd helped find her son's poisoner, but that didn't make us magically friends. At least she didn't want to kill me anymore. Argamnos is on the balcony. Don't upset him. Argamnos was sitting up at a table, eating applesauce on his own, but Elbada sat beside him, a napkin already prepped in one hand. Hello, Andy, he said brightly, dropping his spoon. Elbada caught it before it could tumble to the ground. Hi, Argamnos, I said. Iris and I bowed to the goddess of regret. Didn't expect to see you here. I had some free time. Besides, my mother suggested I use this as practice for whenever our child emerges. Celebina had reluctantly accepted the match between Albada and Argamnos, but had preemptively approved of the godhood of their child, although the jury was still out on when it would arrive. Goddess gestation periods were notoriously inconsistent. Some gods needed to dream for a hundred years before being born. Others leapt out of their parents' open mouths fully formed. Diaphrides swept into the room, refilling glasses and fussing with utensils. Now that Argamnos will be the son and father of gods, his status in the Pantheon is secure, at least. But she couldn't quite repress the sad twist to her mouth as she said it. I understood. The son she knew, raised, and loved 
was gone forever. She would have to adapt to whoever this Argamnos grew into. And how are you doing back at the temple? Iris asked Elbada. Same as before. Mother and I are arguing over tile colors. She feels Robin's egg blue is too demure. Construction had already started on her own temple, a mere two blocks away from the Temple of Revels. I suspected this was a condition on Celebina's part, since she was funding the new venture. Still, it was progress. But what are you two doing here? I hesitated, but Iris took my hand. I wanted to pay my respects to Argamnos, but this investigation showed me there was a lot I didn't know about him. A lot of stuff I took for granted. A lot of stuff we had in common. I thought this could be a chance to start over. Elbada glanced at Diaphrides. She nodded reluctantly. So, how do you feel? I asked Dandy as we left the Elder Bower behind a few hours later. What are your plans now? Plans? He sounded like he'd never thought about it too hard. But definitely have plans. I nudged him playfully and he mock stumbled. Come on, you're the Pantheon's hero of the hour. You've had a month to reacquaint yourself with all the perks of being the Sea Mother's son. What's next? Inwardly, I promised myself I wouldn't be disappointed by whatever he said. We'd made great partners, but he'd turned to investigating as a way to make ends meet after losing his mother's favor. Now that he had it again, he had no real reason to continue pursuing justice. And demigods weren't allowed to join Themia's priesthood, anyway. This case gave me a lot to think about. Orgamnos and Banrux, they dedicated their lives to winning the Pantheon's approval. Was I any different for doing everything I could to win Mom's disapproval? I don't want to be a fuck-up anymore, but I don't want to tow the Pantheon party line and be happy with scraps, either. I'm thinking I might ask Banrux to train me. He's the Inquisitor for the Pantheon. You're like an Inquisitor for mortals. Maybe I can use both halves of me to do some good. Andy, that's a great idea. As the world grew more modern, the lines between gods and humans blurred. It would be helpful to have contacts on both sides to ensure justice for all. Andy turned to me and smiled. But that's in the long term. For short-term plans, I want to take you to dinner. Somewhere nice. Classy. Cloth napkins and crystal and everything. I couldn't stop myself from smiling, and I didn't try. Are you serious? Hells yeah, I'm serious, Andy said. I've been waiting six months to have this dinner. I like you, Iris. More than a lot. No one knows what the future holds, where we're going to be in six months or six years. But I do know I want to take you to dinner. Only if I can pick the place, I said. It took a few moments to recover from the unexpected burst of pleasure that warmed my chest like a miniature sun. Deal. 
Andy's shoulders relaxed almost imperceptibly, and I realized he must have been tense, waiting for my answer. Any suggestions? Somewhere with a dance floor. You're listening to Gods and Lies Season 2 by Elizabeth Fail, starring Carrie Height and Sarah Mallow Christensen. Produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Realm, listen away. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Gods and Lies is created and written by Elizabeth Fail. It is produced by Marco Palmieri and executive produced by Molly Barton. Audio production, sound design, editing, and theme music by Amanda Rose Smith.